Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you, would, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. This is God's Word. This morning, we're going to begin looking at what I would say is the most important chapter in the letter to the Galatians. We've been walking through this book. Uh, we took a break from it for our Lent series when uh, you know the whole coronavirus crisis started. But back in January, as we were walking through this letter, we hit a very lengthy theological stretch in the letter where Paul is making extensive arguments to drive home his point. And now he gets to chapter 5, and the exhortations start to pick up, the ethics start to pick up, how are we supposed to live? But here's what I believe about Galatians 5, and by the way, I'm so glad that you are with us this morning, I'm so glad to see those of you tuning in through Zoom, um, it's, it's a joy to be able to still be able to give the word to you, even though we're not able to physically gather, but here's what I believe about Galatians 5. I've been wrestling with it all week, and really this sermon will serve not only as an exposition of the first six verses, but as a launching pad for the rest of the chapter and really the rest of the book. If we get Galatians 5, if we get it, and, and the Lord, through his Spirit, drives it down deep into our hearts, we take it seriously, we meditate on it, we consider all of its implications, I believe that it can make us the happiest and holiest people in Tupelo. I believe that it can make us a place where sinners, where the unchurched would be attracted. Now, the gospel does repel some, but the gospel is attractive. Oftentimes, when the gospel is not attractive, it's because we have done something to cover it up or blend it with something else and that's why Galatians is so important for us because we are so tempted and it is so typical for us to take Jesus and sprinkle him in with the rest of our worldview and so we have a little bit of Jesus with our politics we have a little bit of Jesus with the way that we approach school or family or work but Paul's been making this point throughout his entire letter that it's either Jesus or it's nothing Jesus either provides fully for you or you are not provided for at all. I believe that if we would get Galatians 5, that our mission in this city would be transformed, that our mission to the nations would be transformed. So I would encourage you, starting today, read Galatians 5 over and over and over again as we walk through it over the next few weeks. And he begins with this almost unfathomable statement, mostly because it's so simple. He says, 
For freedom, Christ has set us free. Then he gives an exhortation, stand firm, therefore, stand firm in that freedom, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. But what does he mean by that? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Another translation uh, makes it a little clearer. Christ set us free, it says, to be free men. Christ set us free to be free men and women. So Christ has set us free from something, and Christ has set us free for something. Now, how do we typically think about that paradigm? How how do we think about this liberation framework? The way we typically say it is, Christ has set us free from sin, and he has set us free to obey God. So, so what we essentially mean by that is Christ has set us free from our life of disobedience, and he has set us free for a life of obedience. And there is some truth to this. We do believe that Christ has set us free from the power of sin, and he has liberated our wills. The problem is that's not what Paul's saying right here. We can go to other places in Scripture and find that, but that's not what Paul says. He doesn't say that we're set free from sin, that our wills are set free from the power or the bondage of sin so that we can finally, truly obey God. Even if there's truth to it, that's not what he's saying. There's even a better way to say that, and we're going to see later in Galatians 5 how we could say that better. In fact, we could almost say that Paul is guarding the Galatians from that mindset. The false teachers, they were technically obeying God. They, they were obeying the Bible. That was, that was actually their concern. Their concern was that Paul's gospel was freeing the Galatians from their obligation to keep the word of the Lord. They worried that his gospel was incentivizing disobedience to God's word. So for now, Paul says, very simply, we have been set free for freedom. So in light of the context of Galatians 5, 1 through 6, I don't want us to be thinking of being set free from disobedience and set free to obedience. Here's how I want us to think about it. We are set free from relating to God through our obedience. Okay, so we are set free from relating to God through our obedience, and we are set free to relate to God through his grace. And we're going to say this a number of different ways throughout, but it's not that we are set free from disobedience per se and set free to obey per se. We are set free from relating to God through our obedience, and we are set free to relate to God through his free grace offered to us in the gospel. For freedom, Christ has set us free. In other words, as other translations would say, we are set free to live free. We are set free to be fully alive. We are set free to be fully human. So there are two parts to this I want us to walk through. First, we have been set free. So we're going to consider what we've been set free from. And then second, we have been set free for something. So we've been set free to live free. Okay, so first, we have been set free. And I've already mentioned it. But what we've been set free from is not disobedience per se. We have been set free from relating to God on the basis of our obedience. We are free from obeying God as a means of justifying or proving ourselves. John Stott, a theologian from the uh, uh, 1900s, he said, 
What Christ has done in liberating us, according to Paul's emphasis here, is not so much to set our will free from the bondage of sin as to set our conscience free from the guilt of sin. The Christian freedom he describes is the freedom of acceptance with God and of access to God through Christ. Okay, so, so what we're saying here, we have not been set free from disobedience so that we can finally obey God. What we're saying is that spiritual freedom is not about moral improvement or that we were once following the wrong rules and now we're finally following the right rules. I want you to think just for a second about the spiritual journey of the Galatians themselves. If you've been following along with our series, this will uh, be very familiar for you. But before Paul visited Galatia with with his gospel, the, the Galatians were not just immoral. They were amoral pagans. The first century pagan culture, it was an amoral culture. It was morally bankrupt. It was a morally bankrupt society. And so then Paul comes to Galatia. And when he comes to Galatia, he brings the story of Jesus. He brings the news that that Jesus, this, this, this man who was God in the flesh, lived a sinless life who died on a cross, and and his death on the cross meant that their sins could be forgiven, that they could be reconciled to the God that they have been sinning against, and that he he was resurrected from the dead, and that that opened the kingdom of God to sinners, and, and he showed them how that they could enter the kingdom where Jesus is the eternal king. And they believed that message. Well, then Paul leaves, and these moralists, these Judaizers, these false teachers, they, they come from Jerusalem to Galatia. And they say, okay, yes, Jesus is a part of it. He's a part of the equation. But you also need to be circumcised. If you're going to truly relate to God, if you're going to truly belong, you need to be circumcised and you need to follow the law. It's as if they were saying, if you really want God's love, if you really want his love, if you really want to belong, you've got to follow these rules. And so it's, it's like if you consider their journey, the Galatians were following no rules, then they were following Jesus, and now they were on the verge of leaving Jesus behind to follow the law. They went from an amoral lifestyle to a strict moral lifestyle with a gospel pit stop in between. And, and so, so Paul is, is deeply concerned, and here's why. Paul says that going from a lawbreaker to a lawkeeper will not help your case before a holy God. Because you could never keep the law perfectly. So, so he says with this deep warning in verse 4, he says, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Now, What bad thing do you think that you would need to do in order for someone like Paul to look at you and say, you are cut off from Jesus? You have fallen away from his grace. What is it? Some some super sin? The worst sin you could ever commit? No, Paul says, you are cut off from Christ. You lose his grace when you try to add to God's grace by being overly religious. He's trying to tell us that we cannot improve Christianity by trying to enhance the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Paul's reminding them of this choice that they have, that we've been kind of 
hinting at it throughout the letter, but here it is presented to them. You, you have a choice. And, and it's a choice between life and death. It's a choice between spiritual slavery and spiritual freedom. And, and the choice is they can either rely on Jesus fully or they can rely on themselves, but they can't do both. Paul reverses the claim of the false teachers. The false teachers said, unless you rely on the law, you can't really be saved. And then Paul, he responds to that, and he says, no, no, no. If you rely on the law at all, you can't be saved. You're justified by Jesus or you're not justified. You're saved by Jesus or you're not saved. You're alive in Christ or you're dead in your sin. You are free or you're enslaved. And and here's the warning for us. Even if you throw Jesus into the system, if his death and his resurrection only serve to empower you to avoid the bad things and pursue the good things so that you can finally be right with God, then Jesus is ultimately of no advantage to you. Tim Keller says it this way, you can't add to Jesus without subtracting Jesus. Christ is of no advantage to those of us who would try to relate to God on the basis of our obedience. And that's because of the way that Christ has set us free. In order to set us free from spiritual slavery, Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law in his righteous life. And Jesus went to the cross, not just to die like any other man. He he suffered the curse of the law, not because he was a lawbreaker, but because he stood in the place of lawbreakers like you and me. And then he was raised from the dead as vindication of that work. So if, if you're trying to do for yourself what Christ has already done for you, then he's of no advantage to you. If you try to justify yourself before God, Christ is no good for you. It, Christ is either everything for you or he is nothing. And God's grace is only for those who know that they need it. And if you think you don't need God's grace, you won't receive it. And if you don't receive God's grace, you will never be spiritually free. So there is a serious danger to legalism. It's not just something that we talk about and, yeah, we got to watch that. There is a serious eternal danger to legalism. And it's so serious that Paul has basically made the same point three different times in his letter in three different ways. He says, if you obey God in order to gain favor or gain love or acceptance from God, you're not just unwise. You are actually cut off from him. You are severed from Christ and you fall from his grace. But but I hope you see this correlation between grace and freedom. Paul's telling the Galatians that there are natural and unavoidable consequences to submitting to circumcision. And when he's talking about circumcision here, he is talking about the act itself, but it's more than that. It represents a spirit or an attitude that you have to obey in order to belong. You have to obey in order to keep God's love and acceptance. So relying on the law, or as Paul says, submitting to circumcision, it repels not just the grace of God, not just Christ himself, but spiritual freedom. If you submit to the slavery of legalism or works-based righteousness, you lose your freedom. And that means that you actually miss out on the gospel promise, and you actually miss out on Christ himself. 
So if, if you live terrified that one wrong move is going to cause you to lose God's love, I don't have to tell you, you're not free. You're not free. We are only free when we stop striving to earn salvation, when we stop relying on ourselves for acceptance with God, and when we refuse to add anything to the finished work of Christ. Christian freedom is the natural and necessary consequence of God's saving grace. I love how this one author said it. I'm saying one author because I, I would butcher the name. A really, 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 really cool name, but I would not pronounce it very well. So this, but this author said, for this is true freedom to keep faith with God, and to believe all of God's promises. That's freedom. To believe that when God promises you that you are good, that you are in, that you belong, that you are loved, not because of anything that you've done, but because of what he has done for you in Christ, when you can believe that, you are free. So Christ has set us free from works-based righteousness, and from the law. He has set us free from a guilt-ridden conscience. He has set us free from feeling like we have to follow certain rules or we have to obey God in order for God to be pleased with us or to love us. In Christ, we are finally and fully forgiven and we finally and fully belong to God and his people. Christ has accomplished this for us. He did it. He has set us free. We didn't free ourselves, and, we, and God is so gracious that we cannot lose our freedom because it's through his spirit, as we're going to see in a minute, that we keep our freedom. But Christ has set us free. But he hasn't just set us free from something. He set us free for something. We've been set free to be free. We've been set free to live free. So, Christ has set us free from legalism, and he set us free from moralism. He set us free from self-righteousness, self-justification, and self-reliance. But he has also set us free to live, to experience freedom. He's given us the grace to relate to him on the basis of promise, not performance. And so, God is so good to us that he doesn't just want us to be justified. He doesn't just want us to, to uh, receive his grace by faith in Jesus. He wants us to experience his grace. He, he doesn't just want us to know the, the content of the gospel and to believe it. He wants us to live in the power and the life of the gospel. He wants us to experience every single thing that it holds out for us. So God, just, he doesn't just want us to know that we're forgiven. Being free means that we know we're forgiven, but we feel forgiven. We, we don't just know that we belong to God because of what we read in the Bible. We, we feel like we belong. Christian freedom, and this is, this is where it's really important to, to know the difference between what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Christian freedom does not mean that we have been set free to become a better version of ourselves, as if Jesus has just eliminated all the barriers and now you can you know, finally become what you were always meant to become in your own power. It doesn't mean that we finally learn to obey the right rules in the right way. And it actually has very little to do with our outward actions and a lot to do with our inward motivation. 
Living free is not finally following the right rules. Living free is more, not less than, but more than just obeying God. We have been set free to become something new. To become something new. Living as a spiritually liberated man or woman is gospel-empowered transformation, not moral improvement. Now, I can't do any better than C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, in Mere Christianity, towards the end of it, he, he paints this, this really interesting picture, but it's a wonderful illustration about the difference between moral improvement and gospel transformation. And it, and it really gets at the heart of what we mean by spiritual freedom. Here's what he says. God became man to turn creatures into sons. Not simply to produce men of the old kind, but to, but to produce a new kind of man. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. Of course, once it has got its wings, it will soar over fences which could never have been jumped and thus beat the natural horse at its own game. This is what Christ has set us free for. This, this is Christian freedom. We have been set free from relating to God through obedience so that we can become something entirely new by relating to God through his grace and promise. The grace of God that comes to us in the gospel, that we receive by simple faith, it makes us finally and fully alive. It makes us into something completely new. Freedom is the essence of the new humanity in Christ. This is what we hope for in the new heavens and the new earth. The humanity that, that will exist there is being formed now. And the essence of that humanity will be true and final and full freedom. So, we, so do you see how beautiful this is? We don't just go from being a lawbreaker to a law keeper. We, we're not becoming a stronger and faster horse, right? We, we have gone from being a horse to an eagle. We have gone from being a lawbreaker to a beloved son or daughter of God. Christ has set us free to become a new man, a new woman, that no longer wonders if God loves us today. And, and we no longer try to obey so that we can finally be good enough or accepted by God. We no longer work at our jobs even so that we can matter. Christ has set us free from even creating these biblical lists of rules to follow every day. Instead, by his grace, he has written his law on our hearts. So instead of loving others because just because God says to love others, we love others because we have a new disposition toward God and toward others. And God is working that out in us as he's making us into something new. That's why Craig Keener writes, Christ liberates us from sin and from the need for external rules. Yet this transformation was not by self-discipline, but because of the indwelling presence or indwelling righteousness of God's spirit. You think about the new earth. When, when we are in the new earth and sin is no more and hell and, and Satan is no more and death is no more and we're living in that perfection, do you think that every single day we're going to be given a new list of rules to follow? And, and we're just going to have the power and the ability to follow them perfectly and that's what life in the new earth, that's what an eternally pleasurable and joyful life will be like? No. The rules will be unnecessary because 
we, have, we will have become new men and women who perfectly obey God out of our new motivation. Now, brief caveat. Christian freedom is not actually at odds with obedience to God. And Paul is not saying, stop trying to obey God because God has set you free. That's not what he's saying. Being free in Christ does not mean that we are just free to live however we want, that we call the shots. No, Jesus is our liberator, but he is also our Lord. So we submit to his authority as we enjoy his freedom. And actually, this is still the essence of human freedom. Carl Ellis Jr., in his book, Free at Last, he writes, Human freedom is derived from God's lordship, and it's not independent of it. For by definition, nothing can be outside God's sovereignty. He writes, freedom is being under the right authority. To rebel against God's lordship is to rebel against our own human freedom. So we still obey God as free men and women in Christ. But our motivation for obeying God has completely changed. We no longer obey so that we'll be accepted or stay accepted. We no longer obey so we'll be loved or stay loved. We obey God because we are accepted. And we just want to get in with this new creation program that he has for us in Christ. And I love that Paul gives us a couple marks of Christian freedom here. In verses 5 and 6, he gives us two marks of Christian freedom. And we'll close with this. In verse 5, Paul tells us, we are set free to wait. And then in verse 6, he says, we are set free to work. So waiting and working are two marks of Christian freedom if we want to get practical with it. So let's, let's start with the first one in verse 5. In verse 5, Paul writes, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. We are set free to wait with hope for the day that our righteousness will be revealed. And if that's confusing to you, here's another way to say it. We look forward to judgment day. We look forward to judgment day, and we have been set free so that we can look forward to judgment day. And this is why this is significant. How could sinners look forward to a day when God judges sinners? He tells us, through the Spirit and by faith. Only those who experience the heart change and the gospel transformation that the Spirit enacts in us can look forward to Judgment Day. And God hasn't set us free from the old set of rules to give us a new set of rules. He's given us something so much better. God has set us free from approaching him on the basis of rules at all, and he has given us his Spirit. So, so we can look forward to Judgment Day through the Spirit, but we can also do that by faith. Only those trusting in the work of Jesus alone can actually look forward to that day because we believe that through our faith we receive the gospel promise that Jesus has already been judged in our place. And, and this experience of freedom, it's freedom because we don't dread God's judgment against our sin. And, and it's freedom because we are becoming a new person through the work of the Spirit in us. We're not just following new rules. So we eagerly wait, and we hope 
for the revealing of our righteousness. Through the Spirit and faith in Jesus, Judgment Day will become Vindication Day. So I, I want to ask, how would your day-to-day life change if you knew and felt that a day you should otherwise dread when God will judge sin and sinners is something for you to long for and hope for. We are set free to wait with hope for the day of judgment, but we are also set free to work for the only thing that counts. Paul says in in verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. On judgment day, in the end, God's acceptance or rejection of you, his judgment or his pardon, will be based entirely on the work of Jesus and whether or not you have received him by faith. Neither your immorality nor your morality will ultimately count for anything in the end. So what does count? What is worth living for? Paul says, only faith working through love. And we've been set free for this. We we have been set free to live a new life, not to follow new rules. Our motivation for living has changed. Our relationship to God and others has changed. We are new creations who primarily live according to the new way of faith working through love. And Paul does not call for works of the law in this new kingdom as a new creation. He calls for works that demonstrate dependence on Christ's inward work and that, the, that he will fulfill the law's heart in us as we express love to God and to others. Do you see how limitless God's goodness is to us in Christ? He has set us free from approaching God on the basis of what we can provide. And he set us free to approach him on the basis of what he provides for us. God doesn't just give us a new law to follow so that we can become better versions of ourselves. God sets us free in Christ by giving us his spirit. And it is through his spirit that we can finally start living for what really counts. Let's go back to verse one. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Spiritual freedom means that you don't evaluate your worth on the basis of your performance at church or work or at home or in your relationships. Because of Jesus' righteous life and his substitutionary death and his victorious resurrection, you are fully accepted and loved by God, period, end of sentence. And Paul says that this work of Jesus sets us free, free from an anxious, burdensome, and guilt-ridden life. And those who live like free men and women are those who do not walk around with a burden of guilt because Christ has borne our guilt. Free men and women don't walk around anxious about our standing before God because we look to the cross and we know that we're accepted. But we also have this assurance that we can actually not just know but experience spiritual freedom because God has given us his spirit. And when we walk in this freedom, we will trust God no matter what comes. And we will love in ways we never dreamed possible. So I want to ask you as we close, 
Will you receive the freedom that Jesus purchased for you on the cross and in his resurrection? All you have to do to be finally free is to stop relying on your own performance for worth and purpose and righteousness and open yourself to Jesus by faith. And if you've already received this freedom through faith in Jesus, I want to ask you, will you walk in that freedom? All you have to do is remember that you aren't just a better law keeper. You're a new creation who has the spirit of God indwelling you this very moment. And he will continue to make you new.